Welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast for shining a light on bright ideas. And today we're taking a total diversion to talk about one of my absolute favorite topics ever, college football. And with me on the podcast today is Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football. Tony, it's so good to have you back on the podcast. <laughs> well, last year we had a lot of fun, and I just can't believe we're getting, I know, we're closing in, and college year. football is going to be here before you know it. I think it's crazy. Yeah, here we are in August, and you know, I was just looking back at my numbers. I had just launched the podcast the last time that we met a year ago, so you were like my fifth or sixth interview, and now we're on like eighty. All it's right. been awesome. Well, I, well, yeah, I, I know. It. It's great. Um, all right. So excited for football season coming up. And I know this is your busy time. So thanks for taking time sure. to jump on today. Um, let's talk about the fall. So as we look at the upcoming season, what's new? What's different? I know we talked quarterbacks, coaches. Talk to us about the landscape of college football and where we are. Well, the league that I cover the most, the SEC, uh, is got has more, I think, more quarterback drama than I've ever seen. I mean, everybody knows about this situation in Alabama, but, you know, Florida doesn't know who their quarterback's going to be. Tennessee doesn't know who their quarterback uh, is going to be. And it goes on and on and on. Obviously, the Alabama situation, because of what Alabama did in winning the national championship, is one that people are going to talk about the most. Of course. I, I think there's going to be, before it's said and done, there may be some quarterback drama at Georgia. So it's uh, it's going to be uh, so both it's of the top to two teams this last year. Quarterback drama, huh? Yeah, and, wow. and but and the quarterback drama is that they had a really really good quarterback <laughs> right. and somebody coming along who might be better, and so some decisions are going to have to be made. Uh, everybody knows what happened in the national championship game where Tua Tonga Valoa come off came off the bench and threw the amazing winning national championship. Yeah. Uh, pass and now he missed some of the spring and there's going to be a competition and Nick Saban's tired of talking about it and so uh, he said it's a high class problem he said you guys will know when I know which is obviously not true but it it was a nice thing to say but it's going all these storylines involving quarterbacks sure are going to be the things that we're going to be watching all summer uh, and what will happen there'll, there'll never be a grand pronouncement We'll just start the first game and see who runs out there for right. the first play. So. so it's a high-class problem, right? I mean, these are the top, top echelon programs. You've got so many good recruiting classes coming in. Well, let's take a school like LSU. All right, sure. LSU had three quarterbacks working in the spring. Weren't crazy about any of them. They're, they're okay. Nothing special. Uh, Joe Burrow, a transfer from Ohio State, comes in in June and is competing for the job. You know, Tennessee. Keller Christ, uh, a guy who's uh, came from Stanford, who started like twelve games at Stanford, is coming in as a graduate transfer. He's competing for the job all of a sudden. So there's a lot, there's a lot going on. Well, I think that makes for a lot of fun, right? A lot of fun for the fans that are watching and hoping for their team to have a good season. What about on the coaching side? Well, the, the, the SEC was just had an incredible turnover. Obviously, a, a change at Florida, a change at Tennessee. Uh, Mississippi State, of course, when Dan Mullen left, then Joe Moorhead comes in from Penn State, where he had done you know uh, phenomenal work. Uh, Matt Luke at Ole Miss, he got the job right after media days in August last year, so so he had a full year. But now he is another face. Arkansas, 
<laughs> with Chad, <laughs> Chad Morris comes in and, yep. and after uh, sort of building the program at SMU. So, you know, Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee, who was the Alabama defensive coordinator. So a lot of new faces, and uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how m- most of these guys do. And let us not forget the $75 million man at Texas A&M. Oh, Jimbo my gosh. Fisher, yeah. Uh, who said, you know, we want you to be the coach. Well, wow. How about this? Wow. And they put the they put the number on the table, and you know, you look at their schedule, and and they, it's going to be a tough year for them. But there's, I think we're all wondering how these first year coaches are going to do. Sure. Yeah, that's an interesting one, given just coming in to, in such a high profile coach and then situation there, and see how the season's going to go. Um, you you know, before we jumped on the podcast today, we talked about the state of Florida. And, you know, I, I, that's where I grew up and, and we were talking specifically about Florida State and, and Florida, but then you highlighted for me just the changes in the programs there and just the competition for recruiting. Talk about how that's changed over the last couple of years. Well, a, a lot of people want to, can Willie Taggart sort of repeat what Jimbo Fisher did? Aside from last year when things did not go well at Florida State, Jimbo Fisher had a really good run, national championship 2013. But Willie Taggart's coming into a situation at Florida State now where, uh, you know, all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> Dan Mullen's going to get Florida turning around. I don't think anybody has any doubt about that. Sure. Mark, Mark Rick got Miami to the ACC championship yeah. game year, last, last year. year. Yep. You know, they're, they're going to have another good team. You look at uh, Florida Atlantic, our buddy Lane Kiffin is there. <laughs> right. uh, Josh Heupel takes over at UCF when yeah. Scott Frost went to Nebraska. Uh, Butch Davis is down at FIU. And, wow. I mean, there's uh, Charlie Strong is at UCF wow. in Central Florida. Wow. So all of these Florida programs are led by pretty high-profile coaches sure. with the resources to be pretty successful. So it only, only makes it tougher. Uh, when Willie, a guy like Willie Taggart comes into Florida State. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting season for sure for Florida State and others in the state of Florida. And recruiting is impacted by that. So, like, you know, last year when we, we did this, um, our podcast, we talked about some of the, just the, the talent challenges and the tensions that athletic departments face. And I'm curious to see, you know, what's changed in that arena or is it kind of the same tensions that you're seeing being managed by athletic directors today? Everything from, you know, social media and player personnel behavior to uh, funding for facilities. And we know here locally, that's even been a big challenge, like with Georgia Tech and whatnot. So talk about what you're seeing in that space. It continues to be a challenge for everybody. And you got to keep moving. You got to keep building. I just got back from the University of Florida in the spring where they showed me their master plan. Uh, for oh, really? Because they, because they, they were really, they're really the last school in the SEC to really of the big schools to jump on board that that was that was jim among many other complaints right that was one of jim mcelwain's wow. complaint was I, think, that I don't know that everybody would have behind. known that I don't, yeah, you know no they were it was an interesting situation they were behind the facilities because they just didn't let's just take the advent of the indoor practice facility everybody's got one now right florida and georgia were the last two uh teams in the southeastern conference to build even vanderbilt had an indoor practice oh, wow. facility before because their attitude was they didn't need one. Well, wow. guess when it comes to recruiting, you need one. Wow. You, you bring a high-profile recruit on your campus. Sure. He wants to know why you don't have an indoor practice facility when I just got back from Clemson <laughs> and they got the most incredible – or South Carolina right. when they got the most incredible and, – and they view that, well, you, you must not be serious about football. 
Yeah, God obviously is. that's not true. But, but it's Florida. I but, mean, it, but, right? but it's Florida. And their attitude was they didn't need it because of the weather. Got they it. actually did need it because of those afternoon thunderstorms. thunderstorms. Yeah, sure. And so they, they have now built one. Georgia's built one, which is really, really nice. But everywhere you go now, they are building some hit example. South Carolina is building a $100 million on on top of their indoor facility. They're building a $100 million office training uh, complex uh, that's going to be attached to that. And so now all of a sudden, the, the, everybody tells me the goal is to have everything under one roof. Locker rooms, workout facilities, Offices, dining, study yeah. hall. It's sure. all under one one roof so they never have to go much of any place and everybody's building everybody's building what florida i mentioned is now they've got one on the master plan got but it. in order to do what they want to do <laughs> they got to blow up their baseball stadium and build another one somewhere else on campus <laughs> so they can build this <laughs> but they have the space too i mean right well I mean, they, they have, have the space but my my point is is that florida is with as much wow. money and tradition and success as they had sure they're still they're still catching up they're going to do it they got a great plan they showed right. it to me but wow. uh, every you got to build this stuff you do wow and so is that does that create you know uh, multiple tiers within the traditional division one college football ranks in other words the haves versus the have nots or those the haves versus the have lesses yeah no uh, there's no doubt and, and the gap is good the gap has grown and the gap is going to continue to grow between the power five the power five five major conferences the group of the group of five conferences which is the next tier down the mid-america conference the uh, uh the american those there's always been a gap between those groups of schools. It's only going to get bigger because of the money that's coming in. Those schools cannot afford. Well, here's a classic <laughs> example: University of Kentucky. Okay, they've got a sport that's not football that they're rather fond of, okay. and that they they do finance. <laughs> yeah. They finance their expectations. <laughs> well, in the last three years, the University of Kentucky has invested two hundred million dollars in football facility in building or improvements wow they did a 125 million dollar facelift facelift the commonwealth stadium sure uh took down the number of seats build luxury suites made it really nice okay then they built their own standalone office workout dining complex everything under one roof for 55 million dollars so basically that's 200 million dollars just on football facilities they've they've invested in the past three years let alone other sports wow Amazing. Well, uh, that's incredible. Um, another topic that's hot right now, of course, and will continue to be hot is the college football playoff. And so, um, you know, the the chatter, I think, continues and will only increase in volume in the next couple months through January. And we're still at four teams. Is there any chance that changes? When would that change? How do we go to eight, 16, whatever the number? What do you think is the right approach? What's your thoughts on that? We are entering the fifth year in a 12-year contract. Uh, Twelve. 12-year contract. They, well, they, they purposely set it up that way because they didn't want to, they to didn't deal want, with it again. They didn't want to do a four-year <laughs> contract and in two right. years be talking about the changes. Right. So I don't think there, I don't think there's even going to be any a discussion, a serious discussion about expanding it until we get towards the back end, the la- basically the last three-year window of this. And then if it makes sense, financially in other ways they might talk about it but listen here here was the way the <laughs> argument was presented to me 
Yes, but when 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 Alabama got in and Ohio State got left out, right? Last year. Exactly, okay. great example. And, and I can tell you because I talk to people in the room, it's real simple. If how if how Ohio State does not go to Iowa and get their doors blown off by thirty, right. They're in the playoff, but they lost two games, and one of those was a thirty point loss to a pretty average to bad right. Iowa team. Right. Alabama lost one game on the road to Auburn. All right. Yep. So that was the rationale. But it, and people said, well, these teams deserve to go. That team deserves – yeah, there's a lot of teams that deserve to go. It may have the resume to go, but you got to make a decision. Sure. And, and as somebody pointed out to me, he said, okay, Tony, when you talk about going to eight, what's worse, a deserving team getting left out of the four-team playoff or, or an undeserving team making getting eight. in to eight? That's a good eight. point. What's what's what? I I happen to think undeserving teams getting in is right. worth this deserving teams getting left out based on the resume. And so I I don't I don't get the I, I think the fans in the media sure. want eight, right. but the people who run the sport are thrilled. <laughs> right. with the, I mean the ratings are up. The, oh, the ratings the roof, last yeah. year for the semifinals were great. Yeah, the national championship was great, incredible. And so there's, yeah, I think people are happy with it. And sure, the, and and the. The logistics would, needless to say, the logistics would be Ugh, brutal because sure. you can't go in deeper into January than they are right now because right. the presidents have already said that. So right. I don't, I don't, Justin, I don't think now. We'll, we'll, as you get towards the end of the contract, you will have these conversations. Yeah, but right now, I don't, I don't. Nobody who gets a vote is interested sure. in changing. Yeah. It'll still, I think every year be a discussion topic, no matter how, and but you know, even if it's eight, then I think it's, well, why not 16, right? There, yeah. there will always be someone that well, has a problem with the model, right? Somebody said, well, wait a minute, Tony, there are five major conferences and four slots. <laughs> right. So therefore There's somebody one, has somebody to get, even get left in. out. Yep. I went, yeah, that's the idea. <laughs> yeah. We start the season. It's not meant to be all inclusive, right? It is this not is not a all inclusive Somebody is meant right. to be left out. Right. And that is the engine. That drives the train. Right. That discussion, that whole debate. Sure. And then when, my heavens, two teams from the SEC get oh, in. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> and, and the, the final. 12, Pac-12 champ and right. the Big Big Ten champ get left out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's pretty tough. Um, speaking of you know, some of these, you know, mega programs, I'll call them. You know, we were talking before we hit record today about the, not only the impact of a winning coach and program on yeah, athletics, but just the the impact to the broader university. And I've seen a couple of schools not devalue athletics, but almost consider it as that's over there. You know, that's that department versus the impact athletics can have as a brand and driver of potential revenue to the school. We talk about Alabama, and I know Alabama is unique and and in, in terms of their winning record and and just the success there. But the impact, I know you did some research on this. Well. It, it, a couple of fascinating things. Uh, obviously, when there is success in athletics, there's almost always there's a spike in applications, and that, that happens everywhere. If, if you go to Florida Gulf Coast College, who <laughs> it doesn't was in, matter who was in the Sweet Sixteen. I mean, sure, it happens. But here's the thing: what's happened in Alabama? Alabama, in the twelve years that Nick Saban's there, their overall enrollment has jumped. From twenty five thousand to thirty eight thousand, thirteen thousand more students wow. in that stretch, and what I come would come to find out is that a lot more than half, almost fifty five percent of those students, 
are out of state students wow. paying so out of state tuition. Oh, wow. yep. And so their tuition over that 10 to 12 year period, they've made almost $400 million in tuition they otherwise would not have made sure. if, if, if enrollment had stayed flat. Uh, and to me, that's fascinating. Here's another, another thing that I found out about. One of the things they've done with the athletic department makes somewhere around a five or six million dollar contribution to academics every year. Got it. Based on uh, based on their profits, the academic side has taken that money and, among other things, have used it to recruit national merit scholars. Wow. So now the number of I, I don't wow. know what the number so the is. So the overall schools benefiting. And no, no doubt. And there are now in the twelve years that Nick Saban's been there, Alabama has doubled the number of national merit scholars wow. that attend the university. Okay? So it's just fueled overall growth. And, and because now and those value. national wow. merit scholars, they, they want to come. Sure. And they'd be funded. So that that's how you can use athletics to really help on the academic side. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, I've got, I guess if you looked at like a Clemson or Georgia, other schools like that, and look, you definitely see the applications spike, but then also I hadn't really thought about the out-of-state tuition component and how that could potentially level out. That's amazing. Well, um, I know everyone listening, you know, has been waiting for the, this point in the 16 minutes and 56 seconds, want to hear your predictions for the fall. <laughs> and so talk about where you think uh, will be this fall fall um you know and talk about some of the preseason expectations and how those might play out well let's 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 just go through it by conference i think i think in the acc i don't think there's any doubt that clemson's the team to be clemson is loaded clemson's got four guys playing on their defensive line who all should be in the nfl this year and and we're not talking about drafted somewhere we're talking drafted first or second round and to have four guys christian wilkins is an unbelievable player and normally when you've got that many pros, one will leave or two will leave or three will leave. And maybe they all four wanted to come back because they all four wanted to play for with each other and get back into the playoffs. Wow. Where they, you know, they've, they've yeah. been in the playoffs. Sure. Uh, and so Clemson is the team to beat. I mean, Florida State will do okay, but Clemson sure. is the team to beat. I think Miami's going to win the um, yeah, Coast Division Mark Rick's again. done a great job there. Done a great job there. I just think Clemson's too talented sure. because they've been building these facilities, and <laughs> Dabo's done an incredible job. I think in the SEC, it'll be Alabama and Georgia. Uh, it, it was almost unanimous when we had SEC media days. Sure. And Alabama and Georgia are going to be there. So I, I, I think Alabama's going to win uh, that conference championship. Clemson's going to win theirs. And you go, uh, the Big 12 – Probably going to be Oklahoma, West Virginia. Okay. Uh-huh, nice. uh, again, Kyler Murray uh, comes on as the new quarterback there. Uh, Big Ten, I really like Ohio State, but keep your eye sure. on Penn State. Sure. And then the Pac-12, Washington, who opens the season with Auburn in Atlanta, uh, right, is right. the class the of that class. Yeah. And, and that, that is going to be a huge game for the Pac-12. It's one of the biggest non because if they can come – to Atlanta and win that game. Sure. That gives the Pac-12 a lot of credibility to get in. Sure. Right now, I, I right now I feel really good about three of the four playoff spots. Remember this year the, the semifinals. Last year they were the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. That's right. This year the semifinals are going to be the Orange Bowl and the Cotton Bowl. Got it. Okay. And that those are going to be played on December 29. Okay. And right now I've got Alabama as the number one seed playing in the Cotton Bowl. I've got Clemson's the number two seed playing in the Orange Bowl. 
Okay. Got it. As the ACC champion. Sure. Number three seed is Ohio State. So yep. playing in the Orange Bowl against Clemson in the semifinals. Sure. And the last spot, the number four seed, we're going to have a big old argument. Oh, boy. <laughs> it, it, it could be if Washington beats if Washington beats Auburn and runs a the table, they're in. Sure. Okay. Got it. If Washington doesn't beat Auburn and right. they go twelve and one, we'll see. Right. Uh what's going to happen with the Big Twelve champ, West Virginia, Oklahoma, do they get in? Sure. But what if they're twelve and one? We'll right. see. Right. Then you got what happened last year. What if let's say if, uh, Penn State only loses one game, and that's a quick, a close game to Ohio State. Sure, Penn State sitting there at eleven and one. Right. Okay. Yep. Uh, same thing in the SEC that happened last year. What if? What if Georgia only loses one game, and that's to Alabama in the SEC, in the championship, SEC championship game? game right. Would they put? Would they put a loser of the championship game into the playoffs? Yeah, I don't think so. Right. So the point is, I feel the four per, spots. I feel really question. confident about Alabama. Clemson and Ohio State. Sure. And the fourth spot is going to be the big, big debate like we did last year. Wow. And then final game? Is it a rematch of Clemson, Alabama? It is a rematch of Clemson, Alabama. Wow. I got Clemson win. Oh, that's pretty incredible. That will not make my Alabama fans happy. (laughs) Those that are listening from Alabama. That's really pretty cool. I think that'll be pretty exciting. And I have to ask, what about Jim Harbaugh, Michigan? You know, I I, I I think I think Jim Harbaugh is doing a decent job building, but he he's got to, he's got to win some of the big games. He's got to beat Ohio State. Yeah. He's got to beat Michigan State. Right. He's got to beat Penn State. Tough really playing tough. in that tough tough division. Uh, the question is, you know, is Shea Patterson the Ole Miss uh, transfer? Is he going to be the guy? Is he going to get them where they need to go? Sure. And, uh, you know, again, I think they're making. I think Michigan is going to take a step forward this year. But are they good enough to beat Ohio right. State? I yeah, think it's so. really tough. So we'll we'll see. Well, Tony, this has been awesome. I mean, I, you know, like anybody else listening that's a college football fan, they could probably sit here and we could talk for, you know, a long time. And I know you get this feedback at all of your speaking events, but tell our audience where they can find you, where they can read your content, how they can connect with you, et cetera. Well, uh, the, I work for a new website. It's just two years old. I went into business with three of my old newspaper buddies awesome. uh, from Boston, <laughs> Los Angeles, and Chicago called TMG. TMG stands for the media guides. So we, we <laughs> sort like of it. guide you through tmgcollegesports.com. I like it. Uh, we have a weekly podcast we put up there on Thursdays. Awesome. And all of our writing is there. There is a small subscription fee because we didn't want to mess with pop-up ads and all the stuff that drives readers absolutely Love crazy. That. I totally agree with that. <laughs> so we, we call it we just a small subscription fee. And we're having we're having a lot of fun. But because yeah, because we got we got the country covered. That is awesome. Well, Tony, thank you so much again for coming on the podcast. I'm excited about the season and look forward to have you on again. All right, Justin, you bet. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via the Apple iTunes App Store, the Google Play Store, Spotify, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, Connect with us at contenderbrands.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.